Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, August 24th. We begin with a look at the federal election, specifically the timing of the election and whether the current liberal minority government will find success this time out. We get the latest on the campaign trail with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Next, we get details on Monday's announcement by the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation that proof of vaccination is going to be required to attend any professional sporting events and concerts hosted at their facilities. We get a breakdown of the new policy from Global News reporter Sarah Off. Then we learn about the latest tech company choosing Calgary to set up shop. We speak with Neil Desai of Magnetic Forensics about their pioneering work battling cybercrime and why our city was chosen when the company needed to expand. And finally, it's getting down to the wire. The end of summer means back to school, which is next week for most Calgary kids. We catch up with the gadget guy Mike Yanni for the hottest trends in back to school tech. Well, from questions around the timing of a federal election to party leaders, platforms and chaos in Afghanistan, we are getting the latest this morning from West Block host Mercedes Stevenson and also, of course, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief. She's back. We've missed you, Mercedes. Good morning. Good morning. I've missed you guys, too. Well, so great to talk to you. I know you were off for a bit, partly because we knew an election was coming and they're going to work you hard. So welcome back. Thank you for being with us. What's the mood in Ottawa now that the campaign is underway officially? Well, that's a great question. To be honest with you, I have hardly been in Ottawa because of the campaign, <laughs> and it's largely emptied out. But I can tell you, uh, I am on the Liberal campaign. In fact, I am watching. Uh, you're probably going to hear some noise here in a minute because the Prime Minister is about to walk past me with his security detail. Uh, we are at what I assume is going to be some kind of announcement relating to housing because I am outside of um, a building site in Hamilton. And it's been interesting to watch this campaign. You know, it's been off to a bit of a rough start, too. Um, they kind of thought uh, they were going to launch this election and swing in. And the situation uh, has been uh, tough because they're dealing with Afghanistan, and they've been criticized pretty heavily over that. Um, they've not released their platform. There's been a number of minor announcements, and Aaron O'Toole has gained a lot more uh, popularity than they expected. And right now, the latest poll that we got this morning from Ipsos Reid, basically, pardon me, from Ipsos, they've changed their name now, uh, it, it, basically, they're tied in, in a lot mm. of areas, or separated by very little. Uh, the NDP is gaining, the Conservatives are gaining, the Liberals are dropping. Um, you can feel on the campaign the concern level. I would not say they're alarmed yet. Uh, I don't think they think they're going to lose, but there's definitely a sense of concern um, about this really not being how they imagined the first couple of weeks would go. I bet. Well, and it's interesting, Mercedes, because when we talk to the folks at Ipsos and we talk about the polling that's released to Canadians, we um, you know, uh, dug in and asked those folks about the polling that the individual parties make. And uh, I was going to point out that, you know, on paper, when we were talking about this before your summer break, you know, all eyes on the fall, you, you could not predict not only Afghanistan, obviously, the horrendous fire activity in B.C., and also uh, the increase in COVID-19 cases. So many variables that perhaps the Liberal Party of Canada did not think of. Well, or knew about and went anyhow because mm. they believed their time was running out for an election. I mean, you, you 
You couldn't necessarily directly predict Afghanistan, but people knew it was falling before that actually happened on the Sunday uh, at the same time as Mr. Trudeau was calling the election. I don't think they realized how significant the Afghanistan issue would be, that they miscalculated that. I mean, the B.C. wildfires were burning back in July. They continued to get worse. Um, And then on top of that, as you mentioned, the fourth wave, a lot of folks questioning the timing of this, and, and we hear that on the election trail. Some people are cheering. They're, you know, sort of back to their normal lives. They don't mind this election. Others are saying, oh, you were in three um, earlier provinces today, and now you're in ours. Uh, Now, so people at home know, we actually do do COVID tests every single morning on this campaign. Everybody had to be fully vaccinated to get on it. Mm. uh, And you're not allowed to join the group in the morning until you have actually shown that you have a negative rapid test. Uh, But there's no question that, that the Liberals wanted to go now um, they did this because they think that they could get a majority. They are framing it as Canadians having a choice um, and that they really don't have a mandate because COVID-19 changed everything. And to be fair, it did change things drastically. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that the timing worked out the way they wanted. They probably should have gone. I apologize. That's the Prime Minister's bus in the background making that sound. Um, <laughs> they, they probably needed to go in July to avoid a lot of these issues, and they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So now there's there's a lot that he has to contend with and deal with uh, that he might not have had to a month ago. And I know some senior liberals were really worried about going right now. Um, and beyond that, they were concerned, uh, you know, not just about the optics and stuff, but that they may have missed their window in terms of when they could win. If, if he does this and gets another minority, um, I suspect a lot of Canadians are not going to be very happy with that result. Yeah, I think you're very right about that. Okay, well, we've talked about Afghanistan a little bit, and there doesn't seem to be much of a platform. He's not really the Prime Minister come out and said too much in terms of what Canada is doing. So as the country falls to the Taliban, humanity humanitarian crisis brewing. Are we expecting more from him? Any announcement perhaps today even? Do we know? Uh, So we know the G7 meeting is taking place today. And in fact, Mm -hmm. he's going to be uh, taking that call uh, just after this event. We're hoping to be able to scrum him and find out what's going on, what he's planning to say. Afghanistan is going to be a huge issue in that. Um, And You know, does he ask Joe Biden to stay until the 31st or past the 31st? Pardon me. Um, You know, are are they upset with how the U.S. has handled this? Uh, There's a lot of questions there about how this is going to unfold. And um, I apologize. I'm watching a truck now pull past an RCMP emergency response team. This is what it's like being on a campaign. It's a little loud (laughs) and unpredictable. And distracting, no doubt. Uh, But it's certainly going to be a big issue in the G7. And so is COVID-19. And the concern about, you know, the continuing spread. How do you get people vaccinated? And also, how do you get vaccines to a number of countries that still don't have them? We were scrumming uh, the minister the other day in charge of vaccines. We were asking about whether or not um, the vaccines that they had promised to send to Latin America had gone. And she didn't answer the question. So, you know, well, there's people here who are vaccine hesitant. Um, There are folks in other countries who can't get a vaccine, even Mm -hmm. if they want one, because they simply don't have access. Wow. Incredible stuff. And as far as, um, you know, our uh, participation there, people say, well, we're not doing enough in Canada. We, you know, we should be we should be doing much more. But I, I think the question for many Canadians is what more could we do? Well, I think it's a lot about uh, getting people out earlier, potentially, the number of people that were initially on the planes, which was being criticized. Um, And that, by the way, has a few factors to it, which includes that um, RC-17 planes, which we sent in, which are massive, they can lift a tank. Um, They can't air-to-air refuel because we've never trained our air crews. That means that they have to take off and land heavier than the Americans do who can refuel while they're in the air. Uh, And so they 
put less people on board. Now, that said, they went from 188 people on board to, uh, you know, a substantial number more. They more than doubled it. I think it was 436. Um, we've only gotten about five flights out. Others have gotten dozens of flights mm-hmm. out. Um, and there's also the confusion about how this is all being handled. And the advice being given by IRCC to people, which is tactically dangerous in many situations. You know, when you tell people to go to an airport and uh, there's security threats, they're being pushed, they're being shot at, they're being killed, and just kind of saying good luck, uh, there's a lot of criticism around that and whether that's really the best way to be handling this. Uh, but, you know, other countries have gone out and actually gotten their citizens, put them on buses, negotiated with the Taliban to leave the bus alone, and driven them right through the airport, put them on the plane, and they're out of the country. Wow. And Mercedes, we'd love to. Could you have a couple minutes? You can hang out and do our, our next little hit with us too after a couple uh, you know, commercials. Are you on the run? I'd love to, but I can see the lineup of journalists for the prime minister. Fair enough. I have to go ask them <laughs> a oh, the prime about minister. Is that? Like he's, he's important. He's actually the liberal leader, though, right now because he's on the tour. So <laughs> good point. The liberal leader about comments to cut uh, health transfers to provinces that have private health care. Okay, well, we'll let you run. We'll be listening for your reports, no doubt, uh, on Global throughout the day. So thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you back, and we'll check in with you again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mercedes. That is Mercedes Stevenson, of course, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Calgary Sports and Entertainment have announced a new mandatory vaccination policy for staff and fans looking to attend events at the Scotiabank Saddledome or McMahon Stadium. With more details on what it's all going to look like, we're joined now by Global News reporter Sarah Offen. Hi, Sarah. Good morning to you. Boy, a little controversial when this came down yesterday, but uh, do we have any more details or can you break it down a little further for us? This is anybody and everyone who enters those buildings, correct? Yeah, exactly. So it is going to apply to all fans, all staff, uh, anyone that's eligible to get the shot, that is. Um, We know we've seen similar decisions by other organizations in Canada in recent weeks. The Winnipeg Jets doing this, the Maple Leafs, Red Blacks all have some version of this. So we've been back the flames to, to try and see what exactly they're going to do with their season and then finally this announcement yesterday saying yes by september 15th this is going to be in place at the saddle dome this is going to be in place at mcmahon stadium we are going to be requiring these passwords but the, the question is what exactly that's going to look like and they've been really short on details so far we know that other organizations have had things like the um the, the testing, the negative test as an option instead of um, the vaccination. They haven't uh, said whether or not they're going to do that yet. So I think they're still working out some of the details. Um, but uh, so far, we know that um, that things are, you know, going to be a little bit stricter than, than a lot of people may have, have thought inside these big sporting venues. Sarah, we do know, and any parent who has a child under the age of 12 knows that they've not been eligible for any vaccination at this point. So how will that be dealt with? And what about people who have uh, some kind of a medical reason for, for not having a vaccination? Do we know anything about that? Yeah. So what we know is, is their language around this is, um, is, is for those that are eligible for the shot. So my understanding is that that won't apply to people who can't get it for medical reasons, that can't get it for, um, because they're not old enough at this point. Um, but exactly how they're going to be requiring this proof, what it will look like if, if you're not eligible or what proof do you have to show? I mean, I think you can probably tell if you're under 12, but there's, um, you know, how, how this is all going to roll out and how it's going to work. Uh, I think that's the big question mark here. Are people going to have to, you know, pre-purchase their tickets and, and show this proof online? Uh, can you still uh, get things at the door? I don't know. So uh, I think there's still a lot of questions here, but uh, the big one being answered that at least that there are is going to be this 
this proof of vaccination Sarah, Andy, Andy and I are going to go down to the tattoo parlor after the show and get, uh, apparently that's the hot new thing, you get your, your QR code tattooed on you so that you always have it handy, so if you wanted to join us um, Well, sure. We can do that <laughs> um, But I, you know, I The think problem it, is I usually don't drink too early in the morning but <laughs> that might be a shock for that one yeah. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's important to point out in, in the release from CSEC that, you know, they believe this move is essential for creating a safe environment for fans and staff yeah. and to get communities and businesses reopen safely well and that's the thing i mean we all kind of questioned exactly what was going to be able to go ahead this season and you know they're looking at it and saying that this is the safest way for that to go ahead and and by and large the most people that uh, that want to come see these games they need to, to feel safe and um you know if you're vaccinated then then you're welcome in. Well, and I guess the other part is something we should be thinking about is, yes, mentioning the employees working at the Saddledome and McMahon Stadium, these huge facilities. Uh, I think all of us uh, want to feel safe in our work. So it's beyond, uh, you know, Sue and I wanting to check out a concert or Flames game, but keeping the employees of these facilities safe. Well, and that's true. And, and you know, those people don't really have the choice, right? They need to, to keep their jobs. They need to keep paying the bills. So for them to be able to feel safe coming to work. But, I mean, that's not without controversy as well. We've seen from the town of Banff how that's infect, affecting some of their employees as well that, that have chosen not to get the vaccine. So, you know, it's a it's a complicated one, but it, it, it's something that we're going to, uh, I think, be talking a lot about a lot in the coming weeks as more and more organizations take a look at this. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and let's face it, it's a business in the end. And I saw a comment from somebody who hold, held season tickets for Flames for years mm-hmm. and years and years and years. And they, for the first time, didn't renew because they didn't feel comfortable being around a bunch of people who may not be vaccinated. So I think, you know, in, in terms of business, I, I, mm-hmm. it's not a surprise that they, they ended up doing this. That's right. That's right. You got to keep the dollars flowing. Yep, for sure. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for the update, Sarah. We appreciate it. I can't wait to meet you at the parlor. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you later on. And you're going yeah. first. <laughs> that, is, that is global uh, Calgary reporter Sarah Offen. Your thoughts on this? Whether I, it be a tattoo or just... <laughs> not the tattoo. No, no. no. I mean, if that's if, if that's how you want to spend your time, you, you know, know what? Why perfect. not? I, I'm not. Getting... It's an option, Andy. It's I, an option. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. What if there's another? pandemic in the next couple of years and one after that you'll have a whole sleeve you might be signing up for Which one is tattoo cool these days it is cool only if you're a chef all those chefs have the sleeve That's tattoos you know. uh, but but your thoughts on this because i did see quite a bit of backlash on social media so i'm not sure what you saw oh yeah yesterday afternoon people saying yes much but also a lot of people that yeah. are very much in support of it uh, but you, you have to think about the motivations those people and I, I did see one person say i am vaccinated but i'm standing up for my rights and freedoms. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but other people, I would think that most people who are vehemently against this are not vaccinated mm-hmm. and don't have any plans to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And this is something we've talked about on the program ad nauseum. Private companies, private entities. Yes, you. Have, there's a difference between freedom and a right. You you're don't have the exactly right, right to go into an independent business unless you're going to follow their rules, regulations, and protocols. And we, today, yesterday, right now, before the pandemic. This second. Yeah. If I don't have the right to walk into Costco unless I have a membership, yeah, there's a cost involved there. We're not talking about a cost. You can get vaccinated free of charge. Well, it's covered under our health care system. And you can get your uh, proof of vaccination. But a right and a freedom, I think we have to you know, simplify and divide those two. 
And let's face it, you're right. It's a business and it comes down to dollars and they've suffered through the pandemic yeah. and they've decided in this case and in many others, this is the way to do it and come back safely. Uh, Rob texted in to say people have said waitresses can't be expected to manage who's family, who's masked, who's vaccinated. I would say the same thing for the poor people tasked to check everyone entering a football or hockey game. I'm double vaxxed, but who's going to be in charge of, you know, super long lineups, arguments that are going to ensue? I don't know. I think maybe these venues will be better off because they have security already. When you go to a Flames game, you're walking through a security checkpoint with security people. Yeah, which that's a good point. Perhaps they have a little better and more of an advantage to, you know, kind of keep things in, in check. Yeah. But if you go into a restaurant, that's where the difficulty might ensue. But and, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be an easy thing either way. Nothing is in 2021. No. And, you know, I remember, I'm not sure if it was Garth Brooks or one of the concerts that rolled through town in the past five or or uh, 10 years, they were making sure that you had to provide the credit card that you purchased the tickets on when you went to the gate because they didn't want the scalpers. Mm -hmm. So here's my tickets and here's the credit card or, you know, proof of it's never an easy process, uh, but now it will be. And let's hope this is only for, and I know, I think that a lot of the policies that we're hearing, for example, in BC with their vaccine cards, that is until January. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just drawing, I'm not saying that's the same with CSEC. But in that case, there's an end in sight. A, short, right? a shorter term, hopefully. Yep. Our city will soon be home to digital cybercrime fighters, Magnet Forensics. It's a company originally based in Ontario, expanding operations and now opening a location here in Calgary. We're joined this morning by Vice President of Corporate Affairs, Neil Desai, with more on the company's decision to move to Calgary. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Thanks for having me. First off, hey, thanks you. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Calgary. Glad you're here. We're glad to be there. Uh, we know there's fantastic talent in the Calgary marketplace and, and we really want to uh, expand our reach there and, and hire some great people. So tell us about Magnet Forensics. What exactly do you do? Yeah, so we're a 10-year-old company uh, originally founded by a police officer in Waterloo, Ontario. And uh, he was put on a desk job when unfortunately he had cancer as a young man. And some of the cases he was working on were children being lured out over social media. And he realized there wasn't uh, an easy way to recover and analyze that evidence. It could be a months-long process trying to get the data from the social media provider. And he realized that when there's a device involved, um, there is a, a technical way and a lawful way to recover and analyze that evidence off the physical device. Um, so he worked on a prototype and, and introduced that to his colleagues in Waterloo, and it genuinely went viral. I know a lot of people talk about uh, things going viral in tech, but it, there was such a need um, in the marketplace. And he made the tough decision to step away from policing and take that prototype and, and build a company around it. And, and over the past 10 years, we've been involved in almost, uh, our software has been involved in almost every major um, crime with digital evidence, evidence associated to that, starting with things like human trafficking and child exploitation online, terrorism, fraud, and now moving into more pure cybercrime. What's interesting to me, Neil, is yeah, as cybercrime and as our you know, attachment to devices, and it's not just the computer anymore, it's the, the, the iPads and the cell phones that we have in our pockets Business must be booming in 2021. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, if you're unscrupulous and have some digital skills, it's a great time to be a criminal. Um, we've seen a, a growth in cybercrime year over year um, since we were founded. And the pandemic has actually increased that with some of the most vulnerable people in society children getting their schooling online, seniors having to move to the bank online. Um, it's been um, a very challenging time in the cybercrime realm. Um, but that, we see ourselves as equalizer. Um, we think it's unfair that 
um, criminals have access to uh, the newest technologies that low to no cost, and our police agencies and other public safety organizations and now corporations um, don't have access to great tools. Um, so we want to be the, the um, equalizing force on that side. Well, boy, as a parent, I'm grateful for, for what you're doing for sure. Um, so, you know, we hear a lot that Calgary is becoming a tech hub. What does that mean to a company like you? What, like, is, it, is there just more advantage here in terms of the, the, the people who could be working for your company? What makes it so great here in Calgary for tech? Yeah, I think there's um, a number of, of factors. Um, it's, it, it all surrounds people. I mean, um, ultimately, we're a technology company um, that requires great people to achieve our mission. And Calgary has that. Um, you have experienced engineers, experienced data scientists, but right down to the academic institutions that are producing the next generation. And that's really what we're, we at Magnet are looking for. We're not looking for just a handful of people um, to be off on their own. We want to integrate them in our overall company. So we're looking for folks... Um, who could fill any job at Magnet, whether that's the sales, marketing, engineering role. Um, we're seeing um, a maturity coming to Calgary, um, given some of the transitions from, um, you know, the tangibles world, whether that's um, oil and gas or others, into um, engineering roles, into the intangibles world, software and, and technology. So so I think, um, you know, the, the skill talent coupled with um, your academic institutions, and I, I say academic institutions, I mean the universities and the colleges, mm-hmm. are really contributing to a, a new cluster there um, that could be a big growth engine for your province. Well, again, Neil, thanks uh, for joining us, and uh, welcome to Calgary. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That is Neil Desai, Vice President of Corporate Affairs with Magnet Forensics. Many kids will be heading back to the classroom across the city next week as a new school year begins. And if you're Still hitting the store, shopping for school supplies. Our tech specialist, Mike Yanni, we call him the gadget guy around these parts, has a few tips to help you not only save some money, but also uh, make going back a bit of fun. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. Hard to believe it's that time of year already. Where did the summer go? It's, I don't know. Time is flying by. So I know you've got these great tips to not only you know help my kids get straight A's as usual, Mike, you know me, <laughs> right. uh, but also, uh, more importantly for a guy like me, save money. Talk about uh, something here, because I always have a dilemma buying a new printer. I always find the try to find the one with the cheapest ink cartridge replacement. Now, you've taken care of this for us. Yeah, because ink is expensive. That's where you spend most of your money. Usually the printer is cheap and the ink is really expensive, and that's kind of where they get you. I'm going to say this right now. This is a must-have gadget if you have multiple students in the family. Students are always printing off assignments, photos uh, for family trees. You go through a lot of ink. Well, instead of using the cartridges or buying cartridges, you can now get printers uh, that have little reservoir tanks. They're called EcoTank printers. They're from Epson, and they have the reservoirs. You buy the ink in bulk, you fill it up, and get this. On a single fill, you can get about 7,000 pages of black and white, 6,000 pages of color. This can last up to a year. I've been using it for the last couple of years. It is a game changer when it comes to printing. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Good one to know about for sure. This one I'm really interested in because I had to buy my son's going to junior high, now needs a lock for his locker. Mm-hmm. You've got something new and trendy in that dis- that area. Yeah, talk about uh, tech that hasn't changed much. You know, a combination lock has been around forever. We're now seeing a change to biometric locks. So fingerprint sensors to open up the locker. You can store, right? You can store up to 10, even 20 different fingerprints. So friends or in some cases a teacher could get access if they had to. We're also seeing Bluetooth locks. 
Uh, and this is where you can just use your smartphone. A lot of students have smartphones in the classroom now. Uh, they can just go tap their locker and open it up, and you can share the app uh, with others so they can get access to. I will say, though, not all schools allow this. Some of the schools still supply that lock because they want the combination mm-hmm. to get in at any time. So you'll have to check that out. But that being said, you can do biometric and Bluetooth for bike locks now. So that's kind of fun. How much? For the school, uh, they range. They are obviously a little bit more expensive, but you're looking about starting at fifty dollars. Uh, the more bells and whistles that you want, mm-hmm. well, they will go up from there. Well, okay. Now that is uh, you know keeping your stuff safe, so you can get those good marks. You've got something purely for fun. It's an LED backpack. Tell us about this. I'm curious if this is going to take off because I'm seeing these everywhere online right now. So, you know, I don't want to age ourselves or date ourselves, but when we were younger, we had badges that we would put, you know, on the back, our pins on the backpack. Yeah. Now LED displays with little tiny lights where you can actually use a smartphone and program so you can have different images flashing on your backpack, sayings, uh, you know what, the sky's the limit. Uh, you use the app and you can customize your backpack however you want now. That is actually super cool. I've seen that with on face masks. So on yes. the backpack, you know, you never know. Okay, uh, laptops. I need to buy a new Chromebook for my kid. Which which ones are trendy? What do I need to buy if I'm looking at that? This is the biggest question I get every year. Which one do I buy for my students? A couple questions you have to ask yourself. Who is the laptop for? Younger students... They don't need all the bells and whistles. They're going to be typing. They're maybe going to be surfing the web. They don't need a lot of horsepower. You can get away with a cheaper laptop, a couple hundred dollars. It'll be fine. But as students get older, they're going to need more. You know, sometimes they have video projects, a little bit of photo editing. So you just got to keep that in mind, who it's for and how much you want to spend. Also think long-term. Cheaper laptops, they're going to get outdated really quickly. You buy one for a couple hundred dollars, there's a good chance next year, it might not even work for what they need it for. So just a couple things to keep in mind, how much you want to spend. Big question is, what are they using it for? But you can also think about long-term investment too. You spend a little bit more up front, maybe you can pass it down because it'll last longer. Mm-hmm. You can pass it down to a younger student uh, you know, two years down the road. Mm-hmm. Great tips and super timely. Thanks for your time this morning, Mike. We appreciate it. My pleasure. That is the Gadget Guy, Mike Yanni. You can find him on Instagram at Gadget Guy Mike. Also on YouTube, you can search his channel by searching Gadget Guy Mike Yanni. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.